Well, thank you, Taylor. That was very, very sweet, and we all enjoyed it very much. And thank you all for for being with us again, again this morning. So nice to see you. Um, <clears throat> I'm just really sorry that we're going to miss these lovely dinners that uh, were announced. Always remember the first dinner that I was invited to, and Adel said to me, "Would you like to join all the men for dinner?" And I said, oh, that would be very nice. And he said, well, you're speaking first. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you see, <clears throat> I realized there's no such thing as a free dinner. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> you know that tomorrow, folks, we, uh, we, we head for home. Um, and uh, I think it would be fitting of me just uh, to, to thank you for all the Christian love and kindness that you've shown to, to Anne and I during the time that we have been here. Um, we're spiritually, we feel very much at home here, and um, it's just a, a joy continually to be with you, and hopefully we, we can come back again uh, very, very soon. So I trust the Lord will bless you all in the time before we see you again. And there's a Maybe I could mention there's a lady here this morning. It's her very, very first time in, uh, in San Ramon uh, Valley Bible Church. And uh, she's coming here because um, she wants to see us when she comes to Ireland. She's coming to Ireland, I think, this year. So I want to give her a very, very special welcome and make her feel very, very welcome this morning in our service. So we're going to read the Bible, if you have a Bible. Uh, we're going to read this morning in the first book of the Bible, please, in the book of Genesis and chapter number 6. <clears throat> and we're going to read <clears throat> in Genesis 6 and commencing at verse number 11. Genesis 6, verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. <clears throat> God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion with which thou shalt make it off. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower second and third story shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Now look just at chapter 7 for a quick verse. Chapter 7 and verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. 
Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean, by two the male and his female, of the fowls also of the air, by seven the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and thou wilt cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. So Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. May the Lord bless the public reading of his word. Now, you may remember, those of you that were here last week, that I just happened to mention in passing something about that great ship, the Titanic, and um, how that it was perfect when it left Belfast, and how it was the British that sunk it, and we take no responsibility for that at all. <clears throat> and I was quite surprised afterwards at the number of people that kind of were asking me, you know, about this great ship, and had an interest in it, and some of the young people even had an interest in that wonderful ship. Now, I want to speak about a greater ship this morning. I want to speak about the greatest ship that the world has ever known. I want to speak about the ark. Um, <clears throat> just as an introduction to my subject this morning, um, <clears throat> maybe I could tell you just a little bit more about Titanic, just by way of introduction to this particular ship that we have read about in the Bible. I'm going to take you away back in your mind to um, the year uh, 1907. And in the year 1907, um, in the great shipyard in Belfast of Harland and Wolfe, um, some ship owners brought a ship into the harbor, into the shipyard there, and they were unhappy with the ship. It wasn't uh, the size that they wanted. It wasn't the shape that they wanted. And they brought it into what was the biggest the biggest shipyard in all the world at that time. They were quite proud of that. I know Christians shouldn't be proud, but you know we were quite proud that Belfast was the biggest shipyard in that time in all the world. 25,000 people worked in Harland and Wolf shipyard at that particular time. And so the management heard this problem of this ship, and they turned to a young man who was a designer who had a lot of promise, and they said to him, here's the problem, what do you think we should do? And that young man was called Thomas Andrews. And Thomas Andrews looked at the problem, and he said, I know what we'll do. He said, we'll cut that ship in two. And they said, what? They said, yeah, we're going to cut that ship in two, and we're going to pull it apart, and we're going to elongate it, and we're going to put a, a section in the middle, and then we're going to join it all up together again. And that was the first time anywhere in the world that that particular procedure had ever been followed or inaugurated. And it has been followed all over the world and repeated all over the world, even until the present day. The designer of that was a young man called Thomas Andrews. And so two years later, when the White Star Line from America came calling and wanted to build three large ships to take on their competitors, the, the Cunard Line, uh, they turned to Thomas Andrews. And Thomas Andrews was the great designer of those ships, the Titanic and the Olympic and the Britannic. And um, 
You know, these were tremendous ships, as I said last week. They had elevators, they had swimming pools, they had, uh, they had uh, millionaire suites, and um, how wonderful they were. But you know, friends, there's a greater ship, and it's found in our Bible. And I want to talk to you about the wonder of this ship that we call the Ark. Um, there are some wonderful things about it. It's wonderful that it was a ship that never sailed to any shore. It's wonderful that it was a ship that was never steered by human hand. It's wonderful that it was a ship that never ever docked in any harbor. These are all special and unique things about the ship, the ark that we have read about this morning. But you know, the most wonderful thing about it all is that this ark, this ship, is a picture and type of the Savior that should come, our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you read these Old Testament pictures in your Bible, they're all pictures about our Lord Jesus Christ. Because God was going to judge this old world because of violence. Did we not read in that verse, the whole earth was filled with violence. And God was going to judge the world on that account. Now folks, does that not have a resonance in the day and age in which we live? The whole world was filled with violence. Corrupt and filled with violence. And you know something about that even in the United States. You know that you can hardly go into a shopping mall these days. You can hardly go to an airport these days. But you might be worried about violence and shooters, and murder, and bloodshed, because the whole world is filled with violence, and God is going to judge the world again because of men's sin, and because of men's rebellion. So, what we need to establish at the beginning of our little message is this, we need a shelter, and we need a Savior, and a Savior from judgment that is yet to come. And so this ark, this ship, is a wonderful picture in the Old Testament of our Lord Jesus Christ, the shelter and the Savior that so many of us in the gathering this morning have already found. Now here's some wonderful things about this delightful ship. The first thing about it is this, that there was only ever one. I'm sure you've all noticed that, that God said to Noah, make thee an ark. So that if men were going to be sheltered from coming judgment and from coming storms and floods, there was only one possible way of shelter, and that was in the one ark that Noah had to build. And of course, that brings us again into focus with the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because there is only one Savior. And there is only one way to heaven. And there is only one way of forgiveness and only one way of blessing. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. One way and one Savior and one way to heaven. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. And we're thankful for all this morning that have found their way to heaven through the person 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, not everyone has agreed about this, that there's only one way to heaven. People have their own ideas about ways to get to heaven and ways to find shelter. You see, I spoke to you know, a lady at home not so long ago and I was speaking to her along these lines and she said to me, but, but I love my church. And to her, her church was the way to heaven. But the church is not the way to heaven, regardless of how good it might be, regardless of how big it might be, regardless of how pleasant it might be. The church can never be the way to heaven. The Savior said, I am the way. I don't know if she was disappointed, but I trust that we learned something as we, she learned something as we spoke to her that day that the church is not the way. And then, you know, there are some people that think the preacher is the way. You know, if, if my preacher is good, or my priest is good, or my minister is good, the preacher is the way. But I want to tell you this morning, folks, that the preacher's not the way to heaven. One of the greatest preachers that the United Kingdom has ever known, we talked about him the other night, was Mr. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Spurgeon was a wonderful Baptist preacher in the Baptist denomination, a wonderful, wonderful preacher. You know what it said about, about Spurgeon's church in London? It said there wasn't a seat in that large auditorium where someone hadn't been converted. Every seat, someone had been born again. Such was the, the power of that man when he preached. But one day, he and another man were walking along a street in London, and as they were walking along, a drunk man passed them by. And the man was a bit jealous of Mr. Spurgeon. His companion was a bit jealous of him. And he, he kind of uh, thought he would score a point. And he said to him, Mr. Spurgeon, he said, is that not one of your converts? Was that not one of the man, you know, that you were preaching? Were you, was that not one of your converts? Spurgeon said, aye, he was one of my converts, but he was never one of Christ's. You see, he is the only way. I am the way. And how thankful we are this morning for all of us who have found the true way to heaven in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people think if I live a good life, that's the way. If I never do anyone any harm, that's the way. If I kind of am morally right and upright and, and I never stray too far, you know, that's the way. Do you know again that one of our great preachers was a man called George Whitfield? George Whitfield pointed many thousands to Christ. And you know, before George Whitfield was converted, he was one of the most religious men that England has ever seen. It's recorded of George Whitfield that he fasted twice a week. And he fasted so much one time at Lent that he nearly starved himself to death. And in spite of that life that he lived, one day he found out, I might be living a reasonably decent life, 
But at the back of it all, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Whitfield found out I need a Savior and I need a shelter. And we're thankful today that that shelter and that Savior is our Lord Jesus Christ. One art. Have you noticed that when God was building this ark? You know, I, 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 I love this about, about this about this ark, and our brother Gilbert kind of referred to it this morning in the earlier meeting when he read John 3 or mentioned John 3.16, that God so loved the world. Have you noticed that it was a roomy ark? Rooms. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. God wanted it to be an expansive thing. God wanted it to be that there was room for all. God wanted it to be that none would be excluded, but that all the whosoever might be gathered in. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. And you know, I'm glad today that I believe in the whosoever will. I'm glad that it's not confined to, to just a few. You know, there are some people who believe God so loved the world, and they say that's the world of the elect. And that's the world of the few. We don't believe that. I've never talked to these men, but I'm sure they don't believe that. We believe that it's for the whosoever will. And there's room in the ark and Christ for all. I'm awful glad there's room in Christ for the young. I love I loved to see young people being converted, turning to Christ for salvation. There's something about young people, you know, their lives, not only is their eternity secure, but their lives are changed. Thank God for all the young people in our gathering this morning that have been to Christ for salvation. Room for the young you know, we don't see too many dear Roman Catholic people saved in Ireland. They are quite superstitious and quite involved with their church. We don't see too many of them converted. But a couple of years, some years ago, a dear lady called Bernadette, she came to our fellowship. She moved into the district and she was gloriously converted to Christ, became a lovely Christian. She had two little girls. Bernadette lived right on the main road. And the main road was here, and Bernadette's house was here, and just on the other side was the grocery store. And one day she sent a little girl, <clears throat> a girl of seven, she sent a little girl over to the grocery store for some groceries. And as a little girl ran across the road, a car came speeding along. Killed the little girl, a moment of time. I'll never forget going into that house in the little white coffin. Little white coffin sitting in the corner. Bernadette came to us, she said, you know, I can't ask the priest to bury my girl. She said, he never told me that I needed to be saved or to be born again. 
I would like you to take the service. I would like you to bury my little girl. And a few of us went into that little home, just a simple, humble home, with that little white coffin. And you know the consolation, the consolation, the consolation, friends, to all our hearts was that that little girl was in heaven. Why? Because there was room for those that are young. My wife was saved when she was seven. Just seven. Oh, I think she's saved. <laughs> I, never, I never doubted it. She might have been young, but I think she's got it all right. And thank God today there's room for the young. But listen, friends, I want to tell you there's room for the old. There's room for the old and those that are older. You see, I want to say this to you very strongly but very kindly. You cannot be born in sin and live in sin and die in sin and escape the consequences of sin. But even though you may have lived your life like that, there's room for older folks in the ark and in Christ. And the opportunity of salvation today is available for all. We had, again, at home, I always like to try and illustrate these things to show you that they really work. Mrs. Baxter came to our fellowship. She was 78 years of age. And she was a righteous woman. She was a good living woman. She was a church attending woman. And she insisted that that was all she needed for heaven and home. And one night after the service, because we have our meetings in the evening, one night after the service, she took the preacher by the hand. And she said, I have found out tonight. I have found out that you were right. And I was wrong. I need a Savior. And I need to be forgiven. And at 78, Mrs. Baxter trusted Christ. And you know, she lived till she was 94. 94 to prove in those years that she'd really, really been converted. I want to tell you, there's room for the young and there's room for the old. But, you know, something else that really I loved about the ark, this ship. Did you notice that God said, of the clean bring in seven by the male and the female, and of the unclean bring them in two by two, the male and the female. Have you noticed that there was room for the clean? You see, we're all sinners because all have sinned. But in the journey of life, some walk on the clean side of life and some walk on the dirty side of life and there is room for those that are clean because they still need to be converted. But I love this, that there's room for those who have walked on the dirty side of life as well. Bring in the unclean. We have a hymn at home that says, None can be too vile for Jesus. None can be too poor. The unclean were brought in like the clean. I don't know, have you ever heard of a singer? He was an American singer called Donnie Sumner. Donnie Sumner, 
and his brother were brought up in a Christian home in America. Their father was a preacher. You can check this on the internet if you, if you wish. And Donnie Sumner was a gospel singer in his youth because, you know, he was brought up that way. And he joined the backup chorus to Elvis Presley when Elvis Presley was at the height of his fame. But you know, when you get into rock and roll and those kind of things, you need to be careful about music. You young folks, be careful about music. Because that lifestyle led him into, first of all, a life of drink. And secondly, into a life of drugs. And Donny Sumner went from the clean side of the road to the dirty side of the road. Until at last, he took a trip to Las Vegas. And he got a room on the 28th floor of the Las Vegas Hilton. And he was about to throw himself out through the window of the 28th floor of the Las Vegas Hilton because he felt unclean. And end it all as he thought. And God said to him, Donnie, this doesn't need to be the end. This can be the beginning. The beginning of a new life. The beginning of something better. The beginning of something sweeter. The beginning of something purer. The beginning of something for me. And on the 28th floor of the Las Vegas Hilton, Donnie Sumner committed his life to Christ and lived for many years to prove it. If you Google, if you Google Donnie Sumner, there's a lovely hymn that's one of my favorites. Google it. You'll, it'll refresh your heart. He sings a hymn. I don't know if you sing it here. He sings with pathos and feeling. He sings, I wandered. I wandered far away from God. But now I'm coming home. The pass of sin too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm coming home, coming home. Never more to roam. By thy grace I will be thine. Lord, I'm coming home. Is there someone coming home this morning? Is there someone who maybe feels the uncleanness of sin and of failure and of our old nature dragging us down day by day? Could this morning bow at the feet of the old rugged cross and say, Lord, I'm coming home because there's room for the unclean. One ark. Rooms in the ark. Ah, like this next bit. There was a door in the ark. There was a door in the ark. What if God had never put a door in the ark? Nobody could get in. But I'll tell you two things about this door. Not only was there a door in the ark, but did you notice where it was? 
It wasn't on the roof. Boy, if God had put that door on the roof, there's a lot of people could never have clambered up. And it wasn't the way hidden down underneath where nobody could see it or know where it was. God said, put it, the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof so that everybody could see it and everyone could enter in. Is that not a wonderful thing, folks, that God has made the door very accessible to the whosoever will? But I said there was two things about this door. Not only was it accessible and in the side, but, but there was an invitation to come in. I've seen plenty of doors and, and no invitation to go in, but God wanted people to come in. That's why, that's why Noah preached that people might come into the ark and be saved. See, whenever you go to London, as we do sometimes, because our middle boy lives in London, you'll see the beauty of Buckingham Palace. And the, the beauty of that building and the pageantry outside and the, the guards and, and the, the music and, and, and all the attractiveness of that delightful building. But many you listen, folks, I've stood at that gate. But nobody ever invited me in. <laughs> not, not, not once have I ever been invited in. But there is a door that stands open wide, the God of love revealing. And there's an invitation. Come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm glad I ever entered into that door. So there was a, one ark, and there was rooms, and there was a door. But I want you to notice one last thing. <clears throat> I want you to notice that it was a safe ark. It was a safe ship. God said, thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. That is, it was to be absolutely safe. It was to be absolutely secure. You see, in view of eternity, folks, we want to be safe. I want to be safe. Whenever we get down to SFO tomorrow, there's many things about that. We're flying in that big, you know, the big new Airbus. And there's many things about it that is attractive and lovely. But you know the one thing I'm really worried about, or not worried about, but the one thing that I'm really interested in is I want it to be safe. You see, and you look out, and you're seven miles up, and you look out, and there's houses like dots, like pinheads. You want it to be safe. And friends, in view of a never-ending eternity, I want to be safe. And I want to be secure. And this ark was safe because it was pitched within and without with pitch. It was double glazed and double sealed. It was as safe as God could make it. And I want to encourage your heart today if you're a born-again believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, if you look back to a time when you were converted and give your life to Him, I want to tell you, you're as safe for heaven today as it's possible to be. You know what the Lord Jesus said? He said, I give unto my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. It's a wonderful thing. 
to be safe. But then you say to me, um, that's all right saying, you know, be safe and all the rest. Why are we safe? How are we safe in Christ? You see, don't miss this point, that we are only safe. I want to refer you to a verse in the Psalms, in the book of the Psalms, 69. And speaking prophetically of the Lord Jesus in Psalm 69, here's what it says. Save me, O God, for the waters are coming unto my soul. We are only safe from the coming floods of judgment because he entered into the floods of God's judgment at Calvary's cross. He said, I sink in the deep mire where there is no footing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Dear friends, this morning the Savior endured on Calvary's cross what you and I should have endured for all eternity. He went through the floods that we might be safe. He endured the waters of God's wrath that we might be secure. And that's why we love Him this morning. I love Thee for wearing the thorns on Thy brow. If ever I love Thee, Lord Jesus, tis now. Are we all in the door? Are we all safe? Are we all secure? I trust that those of us who are saved might be encouraged that we're safe and secure for heaven. And if any are not, that maybe this morning will be the time when we'll bow our hearts and our heads at the foot of the cross and thank Him for dying for us and enduring the storms of God's wrath for us on Calvary's tree. Shall we just commend ourselves to the Lord in prayer? Father, we're thankful for the Savior who went to that old rugged cross. We can never imagine what it meant for him to bear the iniquity, the sin of the whole wide world, to pay our price at Calvary's tree. But we're thankful, Father, that so many of us believe this morning that when he died, he died for me. And we're thankful for the safety that we have in him. Encourage our hearts, Lord, that we're safe and secure as we make our way home to heaven. If any be not in Christ, then we pray for their salvation and ask that the Spirit of God might speak to such even now that this might be a day of conversion. Amen. We give thee our grateful thanks for our time together and pray, pray a rich blessing as we part one from the other. We do so. In the Savior's precious name, amen. amen.